I'm Gary and this is episode 87 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be getting to know EVA England. What's it about? Who's involved? And what can it do for you? If you're hearing this, it's because you're not subscribed to my channel as a patron. EV Musings patrons get lots of nice goodies, including post-credit sequences, such as the one at the end of this episode, early access to episodes, patron-only episodes, and more. Head over to patreon.com slash evmusings to sign up. Before we start, I wanted to remind you that the new Moto brand motorway service area has opened on Junction 1 of the M6 in England. It's a couple of miles north of the M6 M1 Junction. Nothing special about this, you might think, but it's the first motorway service area in the UK to take advantage of the new electric highway installations with the 12 new tritium chargers, alongside 12 new Tesla superchargers. Rob Shaw from RS Thinks and I went up there on Sunday, and if you head over to his YouTube channel in a couple of days, you'll see the results of our endeavours. Our main topic of discussion today is EVA England. Cast your mind back to the roundtable at the end of Season 3, Episode 56, link in the show notes. We had Heather Kennedy, Dan Caesar, Jonathan Portfield, and Jill Noel on there. Jill was talking about EVA England and what their aims are. Here's what she said. The aims and objectives of EVA England are to promote electric vehicle use in England, also to promote the environmental and health benefits of electric vehicles to the public, to represent the interests of current and prospective electric vehicle drivers, and to provide services to EV drivers in England. Recently, EVA England has ramped up their presence in the EV field, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to get Jill back on and talk about what they're doing in the EV space. Since we last spoke in August 2020, EVA England has been very active. We know that um, government announced towards the end of last year that the phase-out date of all new sales of petrol and diesel cars and vans um, was to be brought forward uh, to 2030. So ahead of that, in the run-up to that, we issued a survey um, to gauge views um, and to feed into the government consultation on that phase-out date. Um, So that was a very tangible piece of work. And we were really, really pleased to receive, um, I think it was over 1100 responses to that survey that we packaged up and presented to the Office for Zero Emission Vehicles. Um, As well as that, we've worked hard to secure um, some some funding to to get us going to so that we can um, take a member of staff on board. Um, because at the end of the day, most of us as um, sort of board members have have uh, day jobs. Um, so we need, uh, you know, people dedicated to working for our for our membership base. Um, what we've also done is um, we have delivered a survey of over 1200 EV drivers um, to feed into the government's consultation on the consumer experience on public electric vehicle charge points and we're really hoping that that will lead to a significant improvement in consumers ease and access to ev charging although it has to be said that you know if you look at the stats on zapmap i always find it incredible to see you know the increase in numbers of public charge points but of course we need to make sure that they are you know they are working they're in the right place um, and they are accessible um, by anybody who needs it you know Um, we're also We've also delivered a, a case study campaign um, again uh, around the announcement of the 2030 phase out date. 
So we've worked very closely with industry and media to share drivers' views on different topics. Um, We've worked closely with an organisation called New Automotive and also Octopus Electric Vehicles um, to deliver a case study campaign, really trying to show, um, you know, real electric car drivers' views and experiences and, and bring those to a wider audience. Um, we've also delivered a webinar on the results of that, um, which was, uh, which we, I hope, was was very well received. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of underlying all this, um, the reason that we we uh, opened to members in March this year, so you know there was a few months gap there, was that we were really really keen and saw it as absolutely essential that we had a robust um, CRM system in place to manage all that lovely personal um, data, you know, in Mm -hmm. terms of our membership base. So as with those kind of things, that takes a little bit of time to get right and to put into place. But, um, but yeah, we've got all, so we've got all the foundations in place um, to make sure that we can work, um, you know, to the best of our ability for our, for our members. One of the things uh, you mentioned in the list is a survey of EV drivers. Can you take me through that survey, please? We had um, 1,025 um, English EV drivers participated in the survey. I say English, it's because we did have responses um, from Scotland and from um, Wales, Northern Ireland and Ireland. However, as um, you know, the Electric Vehicle Association for England, um, in terms of presenting a report to government, we focused on, um, on the England EV drivers' responses. Indeed, yeah. Because, of course, you know, we know that EVA Scotland is a really well-established um, and very, very kind of successful and active um, sister organisation in Scotland. There's, a, you know, there's one now in Northern Ireland and emerging ones in, um, you know, in, in Ireland and Wales as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to the survey, um, we found that most respondents charged at home and sometimes used public charge points. Um, In terms of payments, contactless was deemed actually overwhelmingly the easiest form of payment, with Mm -hmm. most people preferring um, being able to use contactless across all charge points. Um, And contactless remained the most popular choice for both destination and rapid charging. Yeah. Eighty-four percent of respondents didn't like the idea of a call or text-based payment solution, um, which is probably understandable. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of um, in terms of roaming, then eighty-seven percent of the respondents to the survey said they'd welcome the ability to use one smartphone app across all public charge point networks. Um, 71% said they'd welcome the ability to use one RFID card across all public charge point networks. And um, I'm going to say just, but 41% um, of respondents said they'd welcome the ability to use a QR code across public charge point networks. I believe ease of use in public charging is absolutely paramount. We've said that so many times on this podcast and the survey results really did back that up. had a really... um, an absolutely seamless public charging experience um, last week. You know, I've had an electric um, e-sprinter van on on test. Yeah. So I took it into North Wales along the A55. Fortunately, there wasn't much traffic um, (laughs) due to the time of day. Um, And um, and I used one of the Osprey charges just off the A55. I used my um, 
you know, electric juice card that I have from um, Octopus Energy. And yeah. it was just literally a case of plug in, tap, and I'm charging. And it was, and and then I get billed to my home energy account. <laughs> it's just, it, it was just a brilliant an easy public charging experience. If you go back over the results Jill just shared, there are a couple of anomalies that come up. One is that everybody prefers things to be contactless. But then Jill also said that specifically for roaming, RFID and apps are the chosen preferred solutions. I guess this is a result of having two different questions that look for two different sorts of answers. I'm not sure there's an issue here. I guess it's just that people are looking for options. If you cast your mind back to episode three of the podcast, we talked about mainstream dealers and the fact that they don't provide the level of education a lot of new users need for EVs. This is especially true of those who are not early adopters, but are slightly ahead of the mainstream. I've done a, uh, going slightly off track, I've done a few, in fact, I feel like I'm almost living in North Wales at the moment now that we can go back over the border, but I've taken my children out over the Easter holidays for you know a couple of day trips into North Wales. Um, and we've stopped at, um, at services um, and actually no not north wales but anyway we've stopped at services recently a couple of times um motorway service area charges um you probably know who i'm referring to here um and although we haven't needed to charge so we haven't parked of course we haven't parked in the ev charging bays each time there have been people who are clearly wondering what on earth's going on and you know so much to the chagrin of my children you know we've gone over to, to see if we can help um, but it just needs to be, the signage needs to be clear. It, you know, it just needs to be a, a simple, easy um, experience, I think. Um, and, and actually, just going back to the electric van charging experience, it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant way to charge and so easy and straightforward. I find myself doing similar things as well when it comes to charges and people who obviously don't know too much about what they're doing. There is an anecdotal story of the iPace driver who plugged his car into the AC socket at a BP Pulse rapid charger because the dealer had pointed to the charge port when he bought the car and said, you plug it in here. And because the AC charger was the one that fit, that's the one he used. It's just a complete lack of education around electric vehicles. I think it's getting better. It's certainly better than it was when Nissan and Renault were the only mainstream manufacturers making EVs but it still has a long way to go. So is there anything in the EVA England roadmap to try and drive education or improve education for electric vehicle owners? Yeah, absolutely. We we really need and want to build up our our kind of uh, consumer-focused support material um, in that regard. Um, You know, joining uh, joining EVA England, you will receive a very, very, um, what we hope is informative, information pack that takes you you know through the whole ev journey um which includes uh you know helping you out with all the the different terminology the different languages used um and i think what we need as well is is and this is what one of the things that came out of the survey we need a lot more you know we need a lot clearer and accessible signage Mm-hmm. Um, you know, actually both on and around the charges and the charging base themselves, but actually signposting on the roads. But education needs to come from several directions. The dealers are one of these. Yeah, totally agree. And I think it's a piece of work that we can jump on, actually, um, working with dealers and understand how we can, um, how they can be sort of better informed and engaged. You know, I'm sure there are already um, organisations that are working with dealers, but at EVA England, we're all about collaboration. 
Um, mm-hmm. So we'd really like to, you know, open up that discussion and um, and do what we can to to support there. The thing I recognise from the EVA England survey is that the results were exactly what every EV driver I've spoken to would have expected. I wonder if there were any unexpected results from the survey. Yeah, um, I think what I tell you what didn't surprise me is that um, we found that in terms of reliability, ninety nine percent of drivers think that charge point operators should be required to meet a certain standard of reliability with um, actually well over 90%. So 93% of drivers thinking that a 99% reliability standard is is fair. Um, And on pricing, and again, I think this probably isn't surprising, 94% would prefer pence per kilowatt hour. Yeah. Um, so I think that's all um, probably not uh, not too uh, sort of yeah too unexpected uh, controversial yeah, yeah yeah that's the one um, and also we found that um, in terms of kind of opening up data then most drivers do use an app or a website to locate charge points so mm-hmm. about the electric van thing so um, you know could we encourage users of ZapMap or PlugShare or other such apps to just uh, you know log when a um, when it looks unlikely that, uh, that an electric van for example could um, could use that charging space um, but also 98% um, agree that having access to real-time information in advance of a charge would save them time and again probably that's not unexpected. Just as a side note, I want to throw something into the conversation now that might change listeners' perspectives regarding charge availability. Let's take an imaginary charge point operator. We'll call it Eco Pulse Point Charging. Imagine they have one of the largest network of charge points in the country, and the large majority of which are 7 kilowatt posts. However, they are most widely known for their smaller number of rapid chargers, many of which get a bad rap for being out of order quite a lot. Let's say they have, oh, I don't know, 3,000 charge points, of which 700 are rapid. That means that 23% of the network is rapid chargers. Due to the relative simplicity of the 7 kilowatt posts, the number that break down is quite small. Therefore, the majority of issues they have are on the minority of rapid chargers, i.e. the ones people need to have working when they get there. If they have a 99% uptime guarantee, that means that of the 3,000 charges they have, 30 of those charges could be out at any given time. 30 charges from 3,000 doesn't sound like a lot, but 30 charges from 700 is a lot bigger percentage than 1%. It's closer to 4.5%. That means that in a network of 700 rapid charges, you have almost five times as big a chance of finding one out of order than the stats would suggest. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. And there's no reason at all why we can't raise that with with government, um, you know, and, and and why not look at it in a slightly different way? Why not um, consider putting a slightly different metric on it? Um, mm. you, you know, because we need to take a pragmatic approach, don't we? And we are still at, uh, I would say, relatively early stages in this journey. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we need to recognise that um, if we are, you know, if something like that is actually going to skew um the uh, sort of the robustness of the charging infrastructure for for mm-hmm. consumers, then we it's the right time now to raise it and do something about it. I had what I assume was a really silly question for Jill. There's an EVA Scotland, and we had Heather Kennedy from that organisation on the podcast in the last but one roundtable, and there's one that's just started for Northern Ireland, and then there's EVA England. Are these 
country-specific associations worthwhile? Why not have one EVA UK? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, the policies are are different. Um, geographies vary um, from region to region. Um, and the fact that, you know, if we take EVA Scotland, for example, you know, as I said before, really well um, established and respected um, uh, membership organisation, you know, they've been going for a good number of years now. Um, and when EVA England, when we got together and started um, sort of saying, actually, there's a gap here in England for, um, for uh, you know, Electric Vehicle Association, very much consumer focused to support English um, EV drivers, then there was no way we were going to step on anybody else's toes. And, you know, we've been really cognizant of the fact that there are emerging um, associations, uh, you know, in other UK uh, regions. Um, but I think it is important to remember that, you know, legislative drivers are different. Um, policies uh, vary as well, you know, and those, you know, funding mechanisms that are available vary as well. So it actually, you know, in many ways, it does make sense. However, we do, um, we do talk to each other on a, on a reasonably regular basis, um, as well as our international counterparts as well. You know, not least of all, Norway, um, mm-hmm. Australia and, um, you know, America and others as well. EVA England recently opened their doors to membership. They've had their website active with some great information on there for several months now. I wanted to know what membership gets you that you can't already get for free on the EVA England website. So, yeah, we we opened to members, I think, in March this year. Um, And what what it means is that a growing membership base um, means that we can continue to work really hard for our members on issues that are closest to their hearts. And, and actually, when we are applying, which we are doing um, to get involved in projects, to get in, you know, to, to secure more funding um, as an organisation to really move forward and grow, then we need to, um, we need to make really concerted efforts to become a sustainable organization so in terms of our our revenue and you know our the mix of our revenue um it needs to come from from members it needs to come from other sources as well whether that's project work or equitable funding sources um so we can't just rely on um on kind of on on funding i don't think because in order to be successful in that funding we need to demonstrate that um, that we're seeking to become a you know a truly sustainable organisation. Um, whether we could be self-funding through membership um, monies, I'm I, I don't think I'm not sure we could. I think it I think it will need to be a mix, but we definitely need to demonstrate that sustainability um, because we absolutely want to grow um, and our membership is a really important aspect to that. Um, in terms of what members will receive. So when we launched, um, we were able, we were really, really delighted to have partnered with Right Charge, so the EV Charger um, and EV Tariff Comparison website. Um, and so anybody who joins EV England will uh, benefit from a £50 discount on any um, electric vehicle charger from the Right Charge website. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably more attractive to prospective EV drivers so to somebody who's who's you know thinking about or just about to to get an electric car um, we're also able to offer a 50 pound discount on an EV subscription from Onto 
okay, there. Yeah. So, which I think is a brilliant idea. But you know, I think it'd be great if um, if I had a significant other who wasn't sure about electric cars, and if I was feeling quite flush, maybe I would. <laughs> you know, I'd consider I'd consider um, getting that subscription to Onto as a as a gift you know, a Christmas birthday, whatever. Um, and I think that £50 pound, um, reduction in that would be could be quite attractive. So I think that's a really, really nice um, yeah. at the moment. Um, but we've got a really interesting pipeline of membership benefits as well. So it absolutely doesn't stop there. Um, yeah, so watch this space because we, uh, we absolutely recognise that as much as, you know, we feel and, and I think, well, it's, it's great because if you join EVA England, you become part of this growing EV community and of course you know we absolutely recognize that there are you know the EV community is it's a myriad of you know regional groups of you know Facebook groups of many many other groups um so so you know becoming a member of EVA England of course you're going to be able to tap into all those other brilliant um, organizations and, and groups that that essentially have the same aims as EVA England, and that's to see the acceleration um, and uptake of EVs um, across, you know, England and actually, you know, and across the UK, of course. Um, but member of EVA England, you get lots and lots of tangible benefits. You get a brilliant support pack. You get charging etiquette guide, and there will be more and more benefits as uh, as, as time goes on. So, what's on the table for the next six, twelve, eighteen months for EVA England? Yeah, we're in discussions at the moment. Um, so for, I'd say, for the next six months, um, we're looking at um, a really, really exciting campaign, quite a high-profile campaign to support EV uptake, um, you know, essentially a communications campaign that we'd really, really like to, to get off the ground. Um, we have a, a bunch of really brilliant and engaged honorary members um, to EVA England, so we'd love to do more work with them, actually, over the next six months and beyond. Um we're also doing a piece of work in the run-up to COP26 in Glasgow in November because, you know, we absolutely recognise that that is a key event in terms yeah. of, you know, not just the UK, but, um, you know, on a global platform um, and EVs, big, uh, sort of big part of, of, of that whole climate change agenda, of course. Um, yeah, the pipeline of membership benefits. We've got some really interesting project applications underway at the moment as well, actually. Um, so we're yeah there's there's lots of things that um, that we've got in the pipeline Gary. Obviously the EVA England has a great mandate to help EV drivers in England they're talking and liaising with other entities in the EV space other EVA groups the office for zero emission vehicles in government etc so please join the EVA if you live in England it costs 20 pounds for the year and it really helps provide a great voice for EV drivers head over to their site link in the show notes where you can set up a direct debit for membership payment. My final question to Jill was the queen for a day one. What would she do if she had absolute power and was queen for a day? So I would cut the price of any um, battery electric vehicle by 50% and I would I would uh, bring in interest-free loans for all battery electric vehicles, both new and second-hand. Interest-free loans for new and second-hand cars is something they do in Scotland already at the moment. So I totally support that idea as uh, something that EV drivers would benefit from. Uh, many thanks to Jill for her time. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with you listeners. German electric utility company Enbevau 
has announced it's implementing a flagship charging station at the Kalmana Kreuz Autobahn interchange. When complete, the 52 charging points, 52 charging points, will make it the largest public fast charging station in Europe, according to the company. Energie Baden-Württemberg AG, or NBVAL for short, is one of the largest electric utility companies in Germany. It moved into EV charging over the last couple of years and now has 13 large fast charging stations and over 350 fast charging sites in Germany, with an additional 50 large stations in the construction or planning stage. The Carmen site will have uh, charging at up to 350 kilowatts, with solar panels providing up to 120 kilowatts of electricity and feed any surplus energy back into local grid. Not only that, but the points will be illuminated and covered. It's not quite the electric forecourt approach that GridServer taking, but with 52 chargers, solar and feeding to the grid, it's certainly very welcome for EV drivers in Germany. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. Many thanks to Jill for coming back and talking about EVA England. All access and VIP patrons, please stay tuned for some post-credits goodness where I'm nattering on for a little while about battery recycling. If you want to contact me, please use EV Musings Twitter account Musings EV, or I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast and the newsletter, please consider contributing to become an EV Musings patron. The link is in the show notes. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. At the moment, it's free on Kindle Unlimited, or if you're in the Kindle Lending Library, please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave reviews. It helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and you're still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you've got to this point by tweeting me at MusingsEV and at EVA Official with the words, join EVA England and reap the benefits, hashtag If you know, you know. Thanks as always to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he's always wanted to see how far he can go on his e-skate. Every time he goes out, he pushes it further and further. Now he thinks he's reached his limit. It's about as far as he's willing to go. I've done a, uh, going slightly off track, I've done a few. In fact, I feel like I'm almost living in North Wales at the moment now. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.